welcome to Sword and Board. I'm Luke. Lars is not going to be here this week. He is currently off fighting in the Elflands. Filling in for him this week, composer of our incredible theme song, Goblin Road Trip, and the incredible Cold War Shuffle. Iron I thought Curtain you were going to say the Incredible Hulk. Oh, God. The Incredible <laughs> the incredible Iron Curtain Shuffle. Ryan Boyd. Ryan, hey, how are you? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I love I love this podcast very, very much, and I'm, well, I am so stoked to be here. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Ryan, for those of you who don't know, also hosts Rank and Vile, the, you know, obviously the thing that we stole the entire format for. Which, by the Ryan. way, is amazing because we stole our, uh, our conceit from War Rocket Ajax, so it's just, uh, you know... It's, it's plagiarism know, all the way down. No, nothing new. Exactly. There's nothing new under the sun. Exactly. Um, we, we all are stealing the same things. Uh, Ryan, how are you? I am doing pretty good. We've got, um, I just came in uh, from outside. We're uh, making a giant garden bed. Um, and we uh, talked to some local dirt boys who have <laughs> so much goddamn dirt. And they were like, we will sell you this dirt. And now we've just got so much dirt that I've been like shoveling into a wheelbarrow for the last two hours. So... I am I'm I'm all hopped up on dirt and uh, awesome. uh, excited to talk um, about movies. Yeah. So I do have a question. We are coming into week three. Mm-hmm. Who are you pulling for on on this year's Bake Off? <sighs> I gotta tell you, it's Rowan. It's got to be Rowan. Oh, thank God! Oh my God! Right? He's just Rowan I, is just a, a fucking delight, and it's not so much that I want him to win the competition as that I want him to stay on my TV screen for as long as possible. I I want to know where. So it seems like every time they have these, they find these delightful elderly gay men. And I want to <laughs> yes. know where they find them, and there I want to protect them at all costs. Absolutely, he's he's what I think of as one of the uh, one of the stately homos of old England, where he's just <laughs> yeah an elderly gay man. He's got like a real like Roddy McDowell sort of vibe, and he's just I uh, I don't know. And every yep. every time that he sasses Paul Hollywood, you can tell that Paul is like legit delighted to be interacting with this exactly person. i have never had any of my favorites win oh and no. I'm, i don't i don't think he is going to but i am just i want him on there as long as possible yeah i i i think there's the other person that i enjoy having on my screen i forget his name but he has enormous blue eyes and i always think of him as springles the elf <laughs> because he looks I, he just looks like a little a little laddish elfin elfin sprite and i don't know i just i, I support him oh my him. god which one is this one i i know who you're talking about but i can't think of him because he leaves that little impression on me yeah um, yeah exactly like an elf on the shelf to, watching from the side oh, my, oh god um i do appreciate that you know they they tried to make they have endeared us to Sarah trying to make uh her the main character of the show oh, this bless, year yeah. by by showing us her walking her cat, you know? Yeah, I, I yelled out loud when I saw her with a cat on a leash because watching a cat on a leash is like watching somebody try to ride a velociraptor where it's like, <laughs> this being was not built for this activity. Like, this is, oh, this is there's something fundamentally structurally wrong with this. Bake Off is exactly, it's just taken too long for Bake Off to come back. <sighs> Honestly, I that's just... the thing with Bake Off is also that a during quarantine, I did a giant rewatch of all of the other Bake Off because it's like visual Valium for me. Like everybody is so nice to each other and you get to look at cakes and it's just, it's soothing in a way that I don't think I've ever seen any other show be. No, and it's it's so fundamentally alien to to American cooking shows or American cooking fans because it's everyone is so happy mm-hmm. and they all want, they all want to be friends. Yeah, every one of them wants to be a friend, and they and they help each other out on challenges. Like you'll God. have you'll have one of them be like, "Oh, hey, you're trying to do this reduction. That's really I, I I can see a thing that you're doing here. Let me help you out." And like they're totally my oven do- my oven door fell off. Let me hold that on for you while we can get this fixed. Oh, we deserve this. You know, yes. like the. the the the, the the popular consciousness, like, please, can we just have, like, one nice thing? And that thing is, uh, it's a Great British Baking Show. Exactly. So, last year, we had uh, your, you know, Goblin in Arms, Quincy on. Ah, uh, Quincy. To talk about yes. uh, some fantasy films, some horror-themed fantasy films, and continuing the Halloween tradition, I'm bringing you on. Ryan, what are we talking about first today? Well, goddamn, the first movie we're talking about is a movie that I feel like... Uh, so, some some background here. Uh, when I was a very small child, I was uh, obsessed with a lot of fantasy movies. The big one for me was Labyrinth. Uh, and then Labyrinth was like a gateway drug as a small child because my uncles were like, okay, you like this weird fantasy shit? Uh, you want to watch Legend? <laughs> and the scene... So, uh, we're doing Legend, and the scene from Legend... 
that as a uh, as the co-host of a horror podcast, I feel I should lead with the Meg Mucklebones scene. Oh God, yeah, from fucking Legend. Like when I when I was a kid, I I would have nightmares about Meg Mucklebones. Uh, popping up out of a swamp and then like negging me and then I, trying I just, to eat me. I can never tell if I love this movie or hate it. Hmm. And it bounces back and forth yep. because this is somehow both the strangest movie I've ever seen and completely just basic. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's yeah. You're exactly right. That's the thing with. Um, and now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a thing and uh, uh, and I don't actually I don't actually know if I believe this, but I'm just gonna say it. Ridley Scott is not good and made. <laughs> And accidentally happened to make two of my favorite movies of all time with Blade Runner and Alien. And those were beautiful flukes. He is he is not good at make movie. I think I agree because as much as I love Prometheus, I think I love oh, it yeah. because I love Prometheus in spite of itself almost. And I sort <laughs> yeah. of love this solely due to Tim Curry and, you know, the power of his abs. Um, abs? Oh, God. And, and they are they are potent, those abs. Oh my God! This this movie. So a couple episodes ago on on Rank and File, you brought up that you liked um, the reason people get into horror is sometimes they want to hold hands with a monster. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I, I think it's um it's a nice thing because you can uh, watch a horror movie and it scares the shit out of you, and then the credits roll and you're sitting there and you're still okay and you're kind of able to, especially if you're sort of um, temperamentally terrified all the time, like I am. It's a way to inhabit that space and then also be okay with it and sort of, you know, have a little bit of uh, agency and power. Yeah. That, like, yeah, I'm a horror guy. I like scary things. So I uh, I bring it up because I'm not really a horror guy. I, I like mm-hmm. good ones and I like because I, either I'm in it or I'm terrified. And so <laughs> yes. watching way too many movies as a child that I shouldn't have, like my dad subjecting me to John Carpenter's The Thing when I was five. Um, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. That is, that's definitely a movie you could show your five-year-old. Exactly. So I went the other tack is that instead of wanting to hold hands with the monster, I wanted to make sure that that the people around me didn't get hurt by the monster. And so that's why I dove face first into fantasy movies. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am, I will never change. It's, uh, that's so that's so good as a response to a thing is just like listen I saw what happened to those nice men at the research station and I don't I don't want anybody else to have their chest open it up it starts with a dog someone. getting hurt that's see that's the that's the thing about the thing is that it's this is a movie so fucked up you can't even trust the dog yeah like it it opens with a dog you can't trust and just all 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 bets are off yeah no so I that's I I, I bring it up because one of my favorite things in the world is the Legend of Zelda. It's, I've called it to people that it is my Harry Potter. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and Legend is a poor man's Legend of Zelda. Oof, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, I, you're completely correct, and also, uh, it's, it's really good that you brought up Prometheus, because to me, Prometheus is a lot like Legend in that it is gorgeous to look at, uh, the music is great, um, it is not really a movie in the way that we think of no, movies. No, it, it. It's a. These are both gorgeous movies that say absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. They have they have zero now. And the thing is, the 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 plot of Legend is now, and it's and it's incredible because it starts with I think one of the least likable protagonists ever, with oh uh, Tom, Tom Cruise, the magical forest dwelling pervert, who just like emerges <laughs> to yell at Mia Sarah, and she's just like kind of an asshole who's just like I'm gonna touch some fucking unicorns and just ruins everything and because everyone she has loses, to fucking everyone loses their shit at her about this and i have to say watching this again as a oh like, as a child i'm like yeah f- you know she she ruined everything yeah not really because they <laughs> shot they, the the goblins did shoot it with the, do- the dart and it died and she was only there incidentally you're totally right actually upon rewatching this because uh, i with with fantasy worlds you know especially if they do a good job which this movie does not uh at in the slightest creating yeah yeah no at like creating a world building and creating I'm sorry, creating a world building? <laughs> Jesus, I am, I am a grandpa. Um, you know, doing doing world building and sort of creating internal rules for a thing, it just makes up the rule that, like, you touch the fucking unicorn? That, like, she palms a unicorn like a basketball and now Christmas is canceled? It's, it's, it's fucking absurd. Like, I, they, I don't know. I feel like Mia Sarah, she has the right response, which is like, yeah, I touched a fucking unicorn. I, Why is everybody having an event about this? Yeah, and there's a dart in its neck. Do you not see the dart? 
It's dead, <laughs> and it's missing a horn. This wasn't on me. And uh, there's pr- a li- princesses don't kill people. <laughs> Darts kill people. <laughs> Dart control. Yeah. Dart control now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dart control now. Uh, there's a... Uh, well, no. It, there's literal Satan in it. There's two different Satans. There's Satan and Satan's dad, who only calls on the phone because he went out for a pack of smokes ten years ago and never came back. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. He's literally just like uh, it's it's like Satan Muppet Babies. Like you've got sort of uh, tiny Satan now. And we can't. There are a few things about Legend that I love very much. The, I, obviously, the big one being uh, the Meg Mucklebone scene. Robert uh, Picardo. Robert fucking Picardo, who played, uh, as we know, the EMH doctor on Star Trek the, Voyager. Um, right. And and so and you know and and they got him to sort of dress up as Meg Mucklebones and emerge from a swamp. And uh, honestly, that performance, this movie could be nothing else but that. And I would still be like, five out of five stars, no notes. Scariest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. There are so many moving parts about this that work. Like, uh, honestly, yeah, you said that he's kind of insufferable, but Jack, kind of okay. He's he's a Peter Pan. He's a Peter Pan. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah. Peter Pan picked a pack of vampires. Um... <laughs> And, and and then he killed a fucking unicorn. That's the thing is like like Tom Cruise like this is I think I mean I don't know this is this to me is like before Tom Cruise's brain got squeezed into the shape it eventually would. Absolutely, he's got he's got like a laddish charm. He's you know he plays a guy called Jack O'Green who is just like a, a forest dwelling loiterer and he's. You know, he's really charming in the role. He's really, you know, he he does well, I think. Yeah, and but then you but the problem is like most movies that he's in, if you got Tim Curry in it, you are massively overshadowed by that that presence. Yep. And there's that running joke on in the internet like you can judge a man by where he how where he knows Tim Curry from. Oh yeah, and it's I, like the Myers-Briggs test, Unfortunately, right? this is what I know him from three things. This Clue and Command and Conquer Red Alert 3. Though that's a great one especially because that third one, uh I any listen, if you ever need to figure out if I'm dead, uh, you know, lean down next to my body and whisper Space but the one in the, Tim the Cur- one place not <laughs> ruined by capitalism. <laughs> it, I love, by the way, and and side note here, I love that in that in that Command and Conquer clip of him saying that he's going to go to space to escape capitalism. You can tell that Tim Curry is doing his best not to corpse at this fucking line. Because... The whole game is like that. I um I've loved the the CNC games for years, and I uh, I got to introduce that to my friend Evan, uh, who's actually been on your show a couple of times. Oh, Evan McDavid. Yeah, he is we? he is my literal best friend. Um, I love Evan so he, much. So do I. He's a delight. I'm playing this in college because we, we lived together in college. And mm-hmm. the game literally starts out because also in Command and Conquer Red Alert 3 is Peter Stormare. Oh, now we're fucking talking. Oh, it's it's a cavalcade of, of B-list actors. Um, Man, honestly, Peter Stormare was the only like was like one of the only good things about the game until dawn because he was just doing maximum fucking Peter Stormare. Oh, and yeah. Got mo- and, and got mo-capped for it. Exactly. So I just... It's absurd because he spends uh, both Peter Stormare and Tim Curry spend the entire movie trying to one the entire game trying to one up each other, and this starts out and I I'm playing it and Evan looks at me he's like wait a minute this game starts out with time travel <laughs> yeah we're off to the races pretty much immediately if we're if we're starting with time travel exactly um, so back to Legend because I have gone off course because it's it's a very pretty movie oh it's, it's gorgeous, gorgeous movie and. Uh, but at the same time, it's it doesn't say anything. I don't necessarily want every movie I watch to say anything, but it's got a pedigree to it because Ridley Scott, as you said, stumbled into a genius movie that was then... He actually has this happen twice because he stumbles mm-hmm. into Blade Runner right. and then another director makes a really good sequel. See, I've still never seen Blade Runner uh, 2049 yet. Is it? Should I? Should I? What do you it think? Is should good. I look into it? It is very good. I don't know if it's as good as the first one, but we also haven't had... 30 some odd years to rewatch it right and then yeah. he makes alien and then james cameron stumbles into uh actually james cameron's pretty bad about it too but he stumbles into aliens right now and that's the thing is like alien is one of my favorite movies of all time and this i and, and this is sort of the uh, the joss whedon thing right like you look at buffy and you know this is a total side note but if we're looking at like sort of uh so as you know or maybe i don't know maybe i'm uh auteur theory is horseshit and bad, and I, I, 
I I uh, I think that to define something by the director is like, oh, this is the 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 total. Uh, this is the sum total of one person's vision and execution. I think that's garbage, and I think that. You know, like, you look at Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you think, oh, Joss Whedon did that. And it's like, mm, how much of this show working was down to Marty Noxon and Jane Espenson and the actors and... There, there are so... You know, yeah, you can have a guy who says, I want this. I want it to go this way. Like, okay, well, I'm gonna... I, I still have to pull the ropes and, and make the sales work. You can tell me which way to go, but you're not the one right. pull... You're, you're not the one steering the rudder. I am. And, yeah. yeah, so it's really, Scott, he... This is... This is a fine movie, but I don't know if I ever want to watch this again. I, I have no intention of watching Legend again for another 10 years. It's been I'm about kind of 10 years. And the, the thing that I like most about it is probably the soundtrack by Tangerine Dream, which is how I pitched the theme song to the show to you. <laughs> Um, man that's well and that's the that's the thing is my favorite my favorite thing in the score is the the mischievous goblin theme that that happens when when the goblins roll up and decide to start ruining everything yeah i yeah the soundtrack is great it's gorgeous to look upon i would i would put forward this movie and it's kind of like the movie 300 now stay with me right so uh, the movie 300 is uh, very bad, but I think it did one thing really, really well, which was, oh boy, slow motion. Yeah. And at the time, we were all fucking hopped up on it because it was something new and it was something visually distinct that we could, you know, sort of look at. And mm. I think Legend does a similar thing where it's just like a lot of it, is, it, a lot of it is in slow motion and it's beautiful to look at and there's a good soundtrack. And then you realize like, wait, there is n- this is uh, shellac in the shape of a car. This is not a car. Yeah. No, that's there is... Yeah, it is. It is movie. It is movie styled. It is. Yeah, it is movie yeah. themed. There are. Po- <laughs> <laughs> it gives the suggestion of of being a film without actually having anything like afterwards. I there's a rough A to B plot of bad things happen if the light goes away. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you're you're ostensibly uh, doing like a hero's journey thing with Jack O'Green. The thing is that he doesn't know. None of the characters have any real character. None of them fundamentally change from beginning to end. Like, there's not the the thesis of the movie appears to be bad things are bad and good things are good, and maybe good things should beat bad things. Sometimes I'm Ridley Scott, and pay no attention to the fact that. You want you actively want Tim Curry to lose. You, we want I want you to to think Tim Curry should lose, and Which that's a just... hard sale. That's a hard sale. <laughs> yeah, like not only is he Tim Curry, he's Tim Curry as fucking Satan. Like he's got, if anything, the guy that's here. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a thing and see if it's true. If you went through the most makeup that morning for this role. I want you to win. Considering, apparently, he uh, he had a panic attack while making this at one point and ripped the, uh, the the original prosthesis off and ripped part of his face off. Ooh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah poor, poor Tim Curry. Yeah, that's why he's introduced in darkness initially. And then they they had to rebuild the prosthesis so he wouldn't freak out. Which, <sighs> you know, I, I do not like the method acting at oh, all. Oh, no, no. It's so- and so I appreciate him for... They went out of their way to, to fix this. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, exactly. One last thought on this. So Ridley Scott makes Alien, and then another director mm-hmm. makes Aliens. Ridley Scott makes Blade Runner, and then another director makes Blade Runner uh, 2049. Mm-hmm. Who makes the sequel, the the years later sequel to this? Ooh, god damn, that's a great question. Okay, all right. So if we're... <laughs> the question is, do you want a good version of Legend? Because if if so, I feel like I would want to... Hmm. A good version of Legend, I, th- I feel like I would want to go with, like, James Wan, maybe? James Wan is good at punchy, um, sort of, like, yeah. fun, pul- pulpy movies. I feel like he's, he's a guy who might look at Legend and go, Okay, what do I like about this movie? Tim Curry is Satan. Uh, Meg Mucklebones is pretty dope. I like Gerblins. Gerblins pulling some bullshit. And there's in some the sword dark. stuff. There's some competent sword fighting. Yeah, like the action sequence. I don't know. Like the the sword fight between Darkness and Jack is pretty dope. Yeah. Because um, he's like, completely yeah, out of his league, and he, it shows it. Yes. Yeah. He's he is a little pissant sword fighting with Satan, who's played by Tim Curry. It's just there's <laughs> it's he, not. 
Jack does not deserve to win at the end of this movie. No, he does not. <laughs> it's it's like how in Purple Rain, like, listen, <clears throat> Morris Day and the time probably deserved to win that competition because, like, when you go to, the like, Minneapolis's hottest fucking club, do you want to, like, sway to Purple Rain or do you want to I'm do aware... the fucking bird? <laughs> I am aware of what some of those words mean. I have never <laughs> seen Purple Rain. Oh, oh, oh boy! You so I, <laughs> I, I cannot. I, I, I know what it I is. I cannot recommend it enough. <laughs> I, I, it's just one of those things that slip by. Um, I feel like James Wan did Aquaman, so I agree with like I agree. He he gets the big dumb flashy movie. Because mm-hmm. um, Aquaman was big dumb and flashy, like Aquaman is in the movie, and it was wonderful. Yeah, it's almost cheating to say I want to see Guillermo del Toro do this. Ooh, shit. There's a guy who would key in on the stuff about this that's really upsetting, I think. Yes, and so Tim Curry is Satan, Meg Mucklebones, and the, the battle between good and evil. That's kind of upsetting. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And I think, see, I was going to go with, a, a, a if I were going to make a bad version of Legend, like if we were going to take a movie that says nothing and then do that again with a modern director, I, I feel like you'd have to go with Mick G. <laughs> for a director who doesn't really have any ideas and kind of wants to make some bullshit. I think that's who you go with. But, like, Guillermo del Toro, holy shit. First of all, imagine the fucking creature design. Yeah. No, because it, it would it would just be that. the that Because the creature design in this is probably the best part of it. That is, oh, it's great, because you got Rob Bottin. Like, you've got the, the fucking... It's, 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 it's the, I think, the best thing is the makeup effects. Yeah, and those, as you said, creature design would be insane, but I almost feel like it, that's cheating. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think you're right. It's like saying, oh, my fa- uh, my uh, the, my favorite band is the Beatles. Eh, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, what a, what, a, what a brave choice. <laughs> Bold today. Um, my God. I don't know. I think, I think this is fine, but I have no desire to watch it again, and I'm glad that I watched it as an adult, because there are movies that we have, watched on on this list that i have loved and i will continue to love and most of the top 10 is that this is not yeah. going anywhere near that oh yeah you know you know what's a better movie than legend is uh the youtube search tim curry legend supercut and that's i think the movie you want to watch <laughs> yeah. mostly exactly cool Oof. Yeah. yeah it's it's not yeah i like this great. is just sits there and uh, it sucks because i'll when you when you brought this to me like oh yeah legend and then watching it again oh yeah now i remember why we haven't talked about this yet <laughs> Yeah, it's like a it's like a karaoke cover of a fantasy film from somebody who doesn't really give a shit about fantasy. Yep, and I don't know what I don't know what Ridley Scott gives a shit about anymore. I'll tell you what he gives a shit about, and it's I want to kill my dad. Like th- that was the thing that drove me crazy about those those new Alien movies that he did, which was like because and I'm sorry to go on a tangent. I just I think about this a lot. Uh, the original Alien series, so much of it is about like capitalism and about. Uh, humans going where we're not supposed to go. And then in the new movies, it was Ridley Scott just like fully back on his bullshit, having like, you know, David the Android monologuing about why he wants to kill his dad. And this is a big thing for Ridley Scott is patricide. Yep. Um, someone, and I, I can't yeah. remember who said it, but uh, a couple of days ago on Twitter, I saw someone that he's basically tried to remake Prometheus three, you know, multiple times. Yeah. Alien. Oh God. Alien Covenant is a, is, it, it is a sadness I, upon my life. I, I passed. I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't. <laughs> you were, you were right. Oh, uh, because Alien is a perfect movie, and that seemed like it would not be. And I did not. Yeah, I did not want that in my life. You're completely correct. It's well, and I, you know, this was Ridley Scott answering questions that nobody fucking <laughs> wanted answered, which was like, "Hey, hey, fuckface, it's me, Ridley Scott. I got a new movie for you." And I'm like, "All right, what's 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 up?" And he's like. Do you ever wonder about the engineer from Alien, that big fucking weird elephant looking guy? And I'm like, uh, sure. And then he's like, he's actually handsome Squidward. And I've got scientists and healing <laughs> spores and talking about God and their dads. And I'm like, I didn't want this. My, this uh, isn't the thing that I wanted. Uh, what, what, one of the things that drove me nuts about Prometheus was he spent the whole time like, this isn't an alien sequel. This isn't an alien prequel. This isn't an alien prequel. This isn't an alien prequel. And then the last 30 seconds of it turns out, oh, you were watching an alien prequel the whole time. Isn't that shocking? Oh, yeah, with the with the Deacon alien with the little jaw coming out. And it's like, ah, you little scamp Ridley. I, I, I knew this was an alien prequel. Yeah, you, you, this is the least shocking thing in the world. <laughs> Like you, you have not surprised me. I am, I am actually insulted. It would have been more surprising if it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fuck. So it's, yeah, it's, ex- it's extremely bad. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I think the, uh, so the second movie we're talking about, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I get so upset about Ridley Scott and what he did with those movies. It's so, oh, I bear him actual ill will and I think he owes me money. Um, so the second movie we're talking about, uh, being, uh, what, what, uh, what year is, uh, The Witches? 19, the beautiful year of 1990, uh, The Witches, uh, which was an adaptation of the Roald Dahl book. And I have only ever read the BFG. I've realized this. I was thinking about this. I've only ever read oh, wow. one of his books, the BFG. Never read. I only recently saw Matilda last year. Nice. Yeah. Okay. I got I, I got exposed to a bunch of these things late because they weren't really my thing. Mm-hmm. This is a this is baby's first body horror. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I feel about it anymore. Well, and now and that's the thing is now the witches. My um one of my favorite books growing up was the Twits by Roald Dahl. And so many of his books, I feel like I, Roald Dahl's books are, are, you know, and and we should probably just get this out of the way uh, uh, from Jump Street. Roald Dahl was a huge anti-Semite, and I feel weird about engaging with his works as an adult because I loved a lot of them when I was a kid, and it leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you realize he was a Hitler apologist. Um, and then some of his weird work he did in uh, World War II is a little even, is even stranger, where he apparently uh, came stateside and attempted to seduce the uh, women who uh, were married to powerful U.S. senators to drag the United States into the war. I'm I I I beg your complete pardon. <laughs> so what? <laughs> yes, from what I understand, I remember reading about this a while back. Uh, Roald Dahl was part of a group where the U.S. was neutral during World War II at, at, mm-hmm. at a time, and so the the English were getting uh, during the Blitz and all this stuff. They sent several people over to try and it was a big secret operation. And they tried to send a bunch of people over to seduce the wives of powerful senators and powerful politicians to drag them to look. And there's a line in his journals where he says, talking mm-hmm. about her, he's like, the woman that he was he was seducing, I'm all fucked out. She's had me from one side of the room to the other. Well, we can't all be yoked fuck machines like Roald Dahl, I guess. Yeah, which is the, the strangest thing to, to think about as a, well... How does that work? I don't want to know that, but I also sort of want to watch that movie. Right. The Willy Wonka guy apparently fucks like a beast. Like, this is... <sighs> no, this... Well, that's something... Well, see, that's you know him, what? That was I'm... him complaining about the woman. That was not him... Right. Yeah. Because because she had... Because he was all, like, fuckered out. Yes. Like, this was this was it for Roald Dahl. Like, he was like, I'm tired... I'm sore. I want to go home. That Anyways, is, that, to, is, that is yeah. something I did not know when I woke up this morning that I am delighted to know now. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, man. Yeah. And, well, and, and the witches, I mean, now, so, what, what, what? The plot of the witches um, is that there are witches, and there's a lot of them, and they all look super fucked up, and they want to murder every child? And they've got in the world, and they're hidden, and they're powerful, and they have hooked noses, and they look mm. ugly, and it's a really bad thing once you stack all that together. Ah, so you're saying there's like a secret cabal of hooked nose people who want to eat your children? It, yeah, I know it's strange. Have I ever heard anything like that before? I don't think so. God. It rings. It rings a bell. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like up, upon rewatching this, in like as soon as the thing was introduced, like witches want to eat your children. Um, it never occurred to me as a kid because the the scene. Now I saw the witches when I was a child. The scene at the hotel, which by the way, I I had forgotten how much of this movie takes place at like a Ramada Inn or something. <laughs> where it's it, it, it's a delightful yeah. B and B somewhere that doesn't matter. Like it's somehow off yeah. on the on the coast, away from everything. But my understanding mm-hmm. of most European places is that's that doesn't exist. That's too like it's just this desolate thing on the side of a of a of a. When you see it, there's nothing for miles. How? So it's like the it's like the Ramada that time forgot, where it's just this desolate <laughs> fucking. Well, and it's incredible because now. Uh, the movie starts with uh, a young child named Luke, and Luke has, I think, a, is it a grandma? Is it? Yeah, is it's it, his is, grandmother. Is, okay. It is his grandmother because somehow his parents died. They died of a, of, of a chronic fiction disease. Um, 
They died of Roldaliitis. Exactly. That, well, the thing was that they fucked too severely while trying to get America <laughs> into World War II, and they just they they passed away. It was it was too much. I, the, she is a, a a very German grandma who's like tr- like it's weird because on one level she's like trying to hip this kid to the imminent threat of witches who want to eat him. But also she's got like a twinkle in her eye about it where she's like, ah, young man, you need to watch out for the witches for they'll eat you if you're not looking. And it's like, we need to settle on a tone for this conversation. I feel. Yes. And it's, it's, and he's always, he's, he, I, I know that child actors can't really deal with this. He has one of the most Mm -hmm. irritating voices of anyone I've ever heard. And it's just that whiny grandma, which is seared into my brain. Like, like every, awful video game NPC I've ever dealt with. For sure. It's like Edward Furlong in Terminator 2 levels of like, ma'am. Oh, like, God. it's just this, yeah, just this grating voice that like, bro, I'm rooting for Angelica Houston to turn you into a smoothie. To be like, fair, you just, when, are you we, have, when are we not rooting for Angelica Houston? I mean, that's, that's, it's the, you know what? It's the Tim Curry problem again. Like, you've made <laughs> the antagonist of the movie... Somebody that I am, I am, I am fundamentally uh, predisposed to stand. Incapable of hating. Yeah, but, yeah, and know. she, well, and and she also, and actually, and actually, it also goes back to whoever spent the most time in the makeup chair that morning. That's who I'm pulling for. Yep. Angelica Houston. She, goddamn, that makeup is. It, it is very. And the makeup, of course, was done by the Jim Henson Company, so obviously it fucking slaps. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I remember is, more than anything about this is. There's the the super creepy makeup, and that's about it. Yeah, like, yeah, that's it. it. It's and there's a there's a mouse family, and by a mouse family is he he rolls around he, they get turned into mice, and that's to to stop the kids from smelling like dog like shit, and right. they're gonna eat them all. And, but it's also and, and it's a multi level marketing scheme as well because she's selling it to them. <laughs> Fuck! Oh my god, there is like a real like uh, uh, MLM vibe to this room full of witches. Like I'm waiting for the guy to walk in. Like, are you guys good? You know, do you need any more, you know, snacks or doers water? No, oh we my don't. God, this is, this is 100 like neutral life. Like this is, they're you know, and and you've got Angelica Houston at the head of the thing now. Angelica Houston, her her mission statement really is that I fucking hate children and I want them to die. And the problem is that the protagonist of the, of the film is a child that I also personally want to die because he's just yeah irritating and so it she's kind of negging this group she's like the tony robbins of witches where she's like guys we really need to kill every child in the world which first of all that is a bold fucking ambition yeah like what what all right what's the what's the end goal say you do that what then uh well well now i've no more kids and they're dead and you can go to a swimming pool without worrying about seeing a kid <laughs> I guess. Now, the the witch, the uh, I feel that the witch's powers are extremely nebulous uh, in description. Like, I don't really, I'm not so sold on, I know how they look. The movie, um, this is a big Roald Dahl thing, I think. He did this with uh, the Twits a lot, where he's really into giving descriptions of what different people look like. Um, Quentin Blake, who was the, the illustrator for a lot of Roald Dahl's books, I feel like those illustrations did so much heavy lifting yes. for his descriptions. And it's that, that weird, scratchy art style that kind of, it, it's instantly memorable. And it's funny, I said I never read, never read The Witches, but that cover is burned into my brain. Oh, with her doing the YMCA arms? Yes. And like, and that, the, the same thing that, uh, there's the sequel remake you know, readaptation that drops later on this month. Yeah, which I'm already sort of, I don't know, man. Uh, not that um, anti-Semitism and, and, like, sort of shitty white nationalism has ever gone out of style, but I don't know, dude. In in, in the year of our Lord Arn Anderson 2020, <laughs> I don't know that I'm, I'm prepared for a thing about a secret cabal of witches who want to eat your children. No, and, yeah, I, I don't know. And it just feels weird. Feels bad. Um, and then, so, uh, Luke... Well, no, you're you're totally right. I, the thing is, Luke gets so Luke gets changed into a rat, and that's just kind of what happens to him. This movie kind of can't settle on a tone generally, I think, and he, I don't know, like the plot of the movie is it's it's very silly. Yes, I, we're gonna ter- we're gonna go on vacation, and all of a sudden, all the witches in the world are there, and then we're gonna they're gonna turn all the kids to the fr- to, to mice, 
and they're gonna kill eat them and then they all then all the witches get turned into mice and then they all die and then except for one of the some of the, except because in the book apparently Luke stays a mouse forever and dies of old mouse age but that didn't test well so they rechanged the audience they, they changed the uh the the ending so that there is a good witch and she turns them back and apparently Roald Dahl went to his grave hating that so we're all that works it does and actually I kind of love now this is uh I was primed for being into that downer ending because of the Animorphs book series <laughs> because there's there's a plot line in the Animorphs books where there's this uh this shithead kid named David who gets like sort of deputized as an Animorph uh like mid-series because he like watched his family get fucking killed by the bad guys or whatever and you know they, they give him Animorph powers and he turns on them and goes dark sided and tries to kill them all. So what they do is they trick him into getting trapped as a rat forever. And, you know, the the book ends with him like screaming, no, God, please help me. And like thought speak in the middle of the ocean and they leave him for dead as a rat, which is the most metal shit I've ever heard in my life. And like it as a kid, even I was like, ha, nice. And that's even like, um, like even outside of a children's book. Jesus it's it's a lot and i i and i i kind of love the <clears throat> the downer ending of the original uh the witches where it's like you know luke is a rat forever but he's like look rats apparently have seven years uh lifespan and my grandma is super fucking old and she's no spring chicken and she's probably one foot in the grave already so whatever i get to die with my grandma this is fine yeah that well that's you know at least some kind of something and it just it feels tacked on and it feels weird yeah it's just you mentioned beforehand this movie's just kind of there yeah and i feel like i don't know i i think now this exists in a genre of film that i love very much which and and maybe this is because i'm a a shitty millennial and i'm obsessed with the 80s and 90s which i mean is almost certainly true of all of my things that i like but i think what you haven't weaponized nostalgia I mean, it's it's fine. Um, but I feel like this movie, for me, occupies a, a strata of movie, which is I like it because it upset people my age when we were kids. Okay. Um, where yeah. there's like certain... Yeah, it's like certain... It's like Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I remember I remember nothing about Pee-wee's Big Adventure except the large Marge scene with the claymation and the the screaming and the yeah. the, the scary the scary lady. Um, I like this mostly as a, a cultural touch point that we all kind of talk about stuff and we're like, oh man, you remember the witches and everybody kind of does a full body shiver and we get that as a talking point much more than I like watching the movie The Witches. Yeah, I just I remember as a child being profoundly uncomfortable. And about nothing mm-hmm. else. Yeah, yeah. And and I think um, Angelica Houston especially, uh, we could because we all love Angelica Houston because she's goddamned Morticia Adams. And I don't know. I, I feel like this movie mostly functions because of the effects, right? And the and the score. Roald Dahl's work is very, very easily adaptable, I think. I uh, he gives yeah. He gives the director a lot to work with. Yeah, and that's the and then you have enough. You have enough to also remove the problematic bits of it, and still somehow you know keep a lot of that in. Now that I think about it, because both versions of the Chocolate Factory keep the really uncomfortable slavery stuff in, like in the harsh <sighs> yeah. light of 2020. Um, but everything in the harsh light of 2020 is bad. Um, I mean, yeah. Speaking of that, because I don't know how much more I have to say about the witches. Um, <laughs> so the Monster Squad. Hachi Machi. All right. Okay. So Monster Squad. Goddamn. This was uh, extremely 80s where it was like, I I think this is part of a time and a place, right? With like the Goonies. This is the exact midpoint between the Goonies and the Lost Boys, I feel. Yes. I 100% agree with that. Written by Shane Black. Problematic fave Shane Black. Um, Yep. Yeah, I love Shane Black. That's the problem is, like, I uh, I love Shane Black very much, and also, for fuck's sake, Shane Black, why? Yeah, I, I love you, I also want to slap you. Yep. Just really hard. It's, so, we made, we had a running joke last year when we talked about Van Helsing, a movie I deeply adore, which is also garbage. Oh, wow, wait, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to make you retry the thing. I am fascinated and must know, why do you adore Van Helsing? Van Helsing is, it hits a part of my soul. I, one of my favorite things growing up was old monster movies, specifically universal monster films. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty people killing monsters and posing. Uh, it's kind of garbage. Every part of it is garbage, but I am also a, a raccoon. 
you know what? You're totally right. I now and we're we're all trying to be cool guys in 2020 because we have podcasts. Uh, I saw Van Helsing in theaters Me with too. my yeah yeah with with my dirtbag high school buddies, and we all had a great time because it was Hugh Jackman looking pretty and killing Frankenstein's. Yes, and it's it, it, I I had the D, the anime DVD sequel. Um, I owned Yo. that. Um, oh my god, you're my fucking hero. That is that is that is a delight. To oh, hear. it it drove it, it drove me insane because it he has the crossbow that he, he's give, he has the crossbow in the prequel that he's given in the movie, but we're not going to go there. Um, <laughs> I have continuity is for children. I have problems. I have problems, and I know this. Um, so <laughs> I have joked for years that Van Helsing is the best Castlevania movie we could have ever gotten. Goddamn. Yep. Correct. Yeah. So yep. this is. The Monster Squad is basically the Castlevania mo- sequel. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's exactly it. It's like it's like Van Helsing. I I hate to use the Muppet Babies but thing Van again, Helsing but babies. it's Van Helsing Muppet Babies. Like it's the opening scene of of now. I, I know that we're not I, like Monster Squad is. It's this thing where you're a kid in the '80s and you're kind of into horror, uh, and you want to watch a movie that's a horror movie without being a total horror movie because like. Nobody's getting their throat slit in Monster Squad. Like, nobody is... Um, it's it's about a group of kids who are all sort of horror aficionados, and you get the sort of... Now, horror movies do this thing, especially in the 1980s, I think, or, or in the early 90s with, like, Brain Scan, where you've got kids who are horror hounds, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got a school uh, administrator or a teacher who's like, stop being into all of this rad-ass horror shit that's so cool. And the kid is like, whatever, Terminator. Because it's, I don't know, Edward Furlong. Um, and, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and, you know, you know that these kids are, are cool for being into horror, and then they get to, av- like, avail themselves of horror stuff. And it's like this... I'm a kid in the 1980s, and it's sort of a power fantasy where you're like, yeah, what if there was Frankensteins, and I get to be friends with them? Something that I I love about this is, one, all of the monster designs are Stan Winston. Hell yes, they are. And that is, uh, this movie doesn't work without him. And that's the thing that, one of the most infuriating things about this, uh, part, like, with all of the casual homophobia that just exists because it's an 80s film and that just is a thing, unfortunately. Yep. Everything about this movie lands. Mm-hmm. And it's... it's yeah. The jokes land, for the most part. The parts and the, the characters work with the script. There's... Something I was talking about this with, um, with Victoria the other night. There is a aesthetic to this movie. And it is... It's a 50s B-movie. Yes! It exactly is 100% right. a drive-in movie. And it's got the same thing. Like, Rudy, the junior high kid who is the, the improbably the coolest kid who's ever lived. And oh, he yeah. rides this up on a bicycle, is, yeah. and he smokes the cigarette, and he's cool, and he's got the pop leather jacket. Somehow, you know, existing, <laughs> because he's cooler right. than I will ever be, and he's 12. Which is how I feel about uh, actual 12-year-olds Sometimes, when I see them, yes, because, like, 12-year-olds are... look cool now, which... Yeah. Yeah, it's upsetting, because I, I I'm like, look, when I was, when I was your age, I had a, a button-up anime shirt and a bowl cut... This is fucking upsetting that you get to look cool when you're 12. I resent it and also yeah. fear you. Yeah. <laughs> I had 21 Hawaiian shirts. Now I don't get to do that anymore because of, you know. <laughs> I, uh, no, and so it's got, what do you, something I was thinking about. That particular aesthetic, the 50s B-movie, the, the drive-in theater, the diner, the, all of that. What is yes. that, what is that called? That, I, for now... I think if it, it now if it's a sci-fi movie, I feel like I, the 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 aesthetic is Ray Punk, I, like R Y I Punk, where it's just sort of like yeah, like that that golden age of sci-fi sort of B movie look. But yeah, I don't know. Like that's even now. I would say, and I'm I'm gonna uh, stake my my dubious reputation on this. The the costume design for Dracula in this is my favorite Dracula costume. It, I I think I kind of agree because it's kind of terrible at the same time. Oh, it's garbage. Like it's it uh it's fancy while also looking gaudy, which to me is the soul of Dracula. Yep. <laughs> which yeah, yeah, it is it is big and splashy. Now, the yeah, I think you're totally right. Like this is a love letter to the 50s from the 80s and it's so much about time and place and about horror fandom and about like iconography, I think, right? Yeah, and I love I like 
I love old monster movies. I don't really like horror movies, but the old Frankensteins, all that, the stuff that would play during AMC Monster Fest before they changed it to Slasher Fest and Horror Fest. The stuff with mm-hmm. the the old bumps are like seared into my brain. And it is a very much a, a a love letter to that style film where you've got I mean it's the Universal Monster movies just with the numbers filed off. Because that yeah. they never once call uh, the creature, anything. They do not announce him. They do not say anything about him. They don't call him Gilman. They don't do anything because they didn't have the rights to. Right, because he's legally distinct from from the <laughs> Gilman. Yeah, this is this is fish person. He is not Gilman, <laughs> but incredible Stan Winston costume with the the uh, the crazy eyes. Like even the the really horrifying werewolf transformation sequences. Oh yeah, which I mean, well. Yeah, and, and I, I can't believe that's the same guy, right? Like, that's the same fucking guy. The same guy is in the suits, or? Yeah, like, in the, in the suits, like, that's, I, I don't know, like, there's so much of this thing that watching uh, the, the makeup effects in this movie, I feel like it's, it's possible for them to be both, and it's like Dracula's costume design, uh, completely garbage, but garbage made by very, very competent effects artists who know exactly what movie they're fucking designing for yeah and this this movie has has a an emotional sucker punch that one it somehow both doesn't and completely earns and it's genuinely heartbreaking with mm-hmm. with freaking little girl before you know the little they, they ape the scene from frankenstein where frank walks up to a little girl playing by a pond but they become best friends and she yeah and as you do and she gets screamed at by dracula with coming back to the method acting thing the actor playing him <laughs> refuse to do more than one take about that well yeah this okay so actually this is the scene that i was most excited to talk about in the movie monster squad so uh this is uh, a goonies style 80s uh, uh family horror movie that features dracula picking up a three-year-old <laughs> child and screaming and into this child's face give me the amulet you bitch it's just like what am i watching wow this went this went zero to 60 really fast it really did and also this is and i need to point this out uh uh, talking about anti-semitism this is in a movie that features a character who it is strongly implied lived through the fucking holocaust i don't even know if you can call that call that strongly implied or if it out is like that's outright stated yeah is physically yeah (laughs) Yeah, like there's there's like a sort of a sort of a Van Helsing expy I think yes. in this who's like he's not exactly Van Helsing but he he knows about some Draculas and yeah I, I think it's like actually I think it is actually canon in the thing that he's like doesn't he have yeah he says uh, they say wow you know wow Mister you know about a, a lot about monsters yeah I guess I do and it pawns to a concentration camp tattoo on his arm yeah yeah like his his fucking oh. number. And that's that's one of those things that went over my head as a child, and now as an adult, wow, you're actually fucking going there. Okay, uh, wasn't it's, expecting it's, that one in in this child friendly movie. Um, it's fucking incredible the fact that they're like, okay, we're doing just like, what if kids made friends with a Frankenstein and did battle with Dracula, and they were like, oh, I'm sorry, did it just get extremely fucking real in this family <laughs> horror movie? Now that we're talking about the Holocaust and also Dracula is verbally abusing a toddler, it's so much, and it's Dracula screams at a child, and then mm-hmm. Frankenstein rips rips him off of off of her and because he's a big friendly goon because he's always the one that's the big friendly goon and Mm -hmm. the omnidirectional hell portal that sucks in all evil starts sucking him in and the little girl's crying because she doesn't want him to go away and throws her little bunny to him so he's not alone and it's you know in the heart it's just oh it doesn't earn my heart it doesn't earn that but like it doesn't let me rephrase that it doesn't feel like it should earn that but yeah, it doesn't that's feel like it, it should be there. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It doesn't earn that, but fuck it. Like, that moment, like, they're they're friends, and they love each other, and she gives him a stuffed animal so Frankenstein won't be alone when he goes through a port. It, oh, God, my heart. Yeah. I am no shit right now genuinely tearing up because of a small <laughs> oh. child giving Frankenstein a stuffed animal so he won't be lonely yeah. on the other side. Yeah. Uh, Where's that sequel? Where's that sequel where they come back again? You know, through <sighs> through magic. Because yeah, and actually, well, and 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 the emotional core of this movie is such that like the the moment that I always think of when I think of uh, Monster Squad is one of the main characters of the thing 
is sitting on a roof with his dad, who's not around as much as as much as he should be, and they're sitting on a roof watching a drive-in movie from across the way that's near their house, mm-hmm. and it's a genuinely fucking. I don't know, yeah, like no. watching a and he, yeah. And he sits up there, and the and the kid's sad because he couldn't go to the drive-in, he couldn't go to the movie, and his dad comes up there because he knows he's going to be there, and the first thing he does is he hands him a burger. <sighs> yeah, My it's goddamn hard. It's, it's it's perfect, and it's the it is the love letter to yeah, it's a love letter to fifties and sixties movies, and it is so much better than it has any right to be, considering all of the really terrible, just casual. Mm-hmm. Well, we're dropping some f bombs, right? Dropping- like we've got. I mean, it, it's it's kids in the '80s being shitty and dropping the f bomb on each other, and it's you watch it as a it's like watching Teen Wolf now, <laughs> and you've got Styles dropping the f bomb, and then the voice of like Michael J. Fox saying, "No, I'm not an f like f bomb," yeah. and it's just like I don't feel good hearing no. that, but like it feels out of place in the movie, and I feel like the movie almost kind of acknowledges that, right? And it's, it's like them trying to, they are performing masculinity. They're performing the role that they need to be. Yes. Especially in terms of like monster movies and like, we're all horror, we're, we're all like horror hounds and we're all trying to maintain this thing of like power in a world that is hostile and doesn't like us and that we're afraid of, but that we're still trying to find our place in. This movie, it's so much more than the sum of its parts, I think, yes, right? Yes, agreed. Because I, I love this as a kid. As an adult, I like it. I still think it's really good, and I think it's probably the best three movies we watched. And I don't know, but it's it's like watching a kid from your tri- a movie from your childhood that you don't know how to feel about anymore. Based, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So so yeah. So I think I, all right. So if uh, so, moving on to the the uh, the ranking portion of the thing. So where on this hell project we want to <laughs> slot them? Yeah, I well. So first, so I feel like right out of the gate. The, the top movie of the three that we've talked about, for me, is Monster Squad. Absolutely. It's everything about it lands, it feels so much better, and it actually leaves a memorable impression. Yeah. And The Witches, the witches is kind of, it's there, and there's some bits that I remember from childhood, and I don't, I don't know if I want to watch that again. Yeah. And then Legend is certainly 32 frames a second accompanied by sound. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Legend, the the review of it could also just be like, all of the actors were clearly visible on screen. It has a soundtrack. Things happen, and you are closer to death after watching this movie <laughs> than you were at the start. There's the appearance and the uh, the photo negative of a plot. Yeah, yeah. There's like there's like negative space where a plot should be, and that kind of forms a plot if you look at opposite um so i I it's like looking for a colossal squid you see the evidence of it not being yes yeah exactly it's defined by its uh liminal liminality yeah i so so monster squad top of the pops right like number one i think number Mm -hmm. two for me i feel like now what what this is essentially coming down to for me if we're talking about the witches versus legend uh because these are both special effects extravaganzas right like we're what we're essentially arguing is which looked prettier Oh, yeah. And no, it is not a prettier film than Legend. No. Because Ridley Scott may have, may not be the most talented director, but he certainly has some. Yeah, yeah. He knows, he and... knows how to put some shit in a frame and, and make it look really good. Mm-hmm. Even if it's like I've sort of narratively bereft of anything, it looks fucking great. Exactly. So, yeah, I got to agree with that. So, in that case, I don't know how many of these you've seen. Looking at our 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 list of well, nonsense, uh, I've seen I've where, seen a whole you, bunch of them. Really? Oh, uh, looking. Uh, at I'm not. I'm actually not surprised by that because. Oh, looking at the list, yeah. Where? So, if you had to uh, pick a place yeah. to start, where would you? Where would you start? So, the witches. I would probably say. Ugh, <laughs> I think the witches is probably is probably better than Black Cauldron. Oh man, and Black Cauldron is at number. 40. Oh boy, yeah, we're yep scrolling down. Uh, yeah, I've actually I've uh, Black Cauldron. I've oh no, fuck my drag. Yes, I've seen the Black Cauldron. I think I think you're right because the Black Cauldron is it's legend, but it's not as it's got some pretty bits to it, but it doesn't. It's in this weird moment of why what uh, Disney was kind of in its flailing period and didn't know what to do, and so they said let's adapt this weird Welsh story and then not do it well, right? 
And then mm-hmm. Legend is sort of, it doesn't even sort of have that, I feel like. Right. Where it's, at least the Black Cauldron, you can kind of, I mean, you know what Legend is doing, it just doesn't do a very good job of it. Now, what's incredible, by the way, is that right above the Black Cauldron is mm-hmm. uh, the night with a K before Christmas, which is part... I, I, I was charmed by oh, it's movie. I It's just listen, fun. I, I uh, am a huge fan of the Vanessa Hudgens extended Christmas verse. <laughs> um, I, that movie is it, it is so much better than it has any right to be. Yeah, we well, when we talked about it, uh, we said it was that it's basically one of the best cups of hot chocolate you could get. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's like it's fun. It may not be the most stellar thing in the world, but every now and then I just want to drink a cup of Swiss Miss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like some some days you don't want to do a Lord of the Rings marathon. You want to watch uh, a Netflix Vanessa Hudgens Christmasverse uh, movie's idea of what an Arthurian knight might have talked like. I'm also kind of saddened by the thought that because there are no films filming this year, we're not going to get new Hallmark movies. I this know, year. I know. Although apparently uh, uh, Vanessa Hudgens is making a Christmas to uh, the Christmas switch, where uh, she is a baker from Chicago who is uh, identical to royalty, and they pull a prince in the popper. And they're doing a sequel. Yeah, to apparently that? they're doing a sequel it's... where there is get this shit a third Vanessa Hudgens. So it. I'm hoping she runs a criminal empire. <laughs> I will accept nothing less than Absolutely. this. Absolutely. Yeah, Vanessa Hudgens runs the cartel, and uh, a bunch of wacky mishaps and uh, misunderstandings ensue. Yeah. And then they fall in love and, and find the meaning of Christmas again. <laughs> the true meaning of Christmas is ruthlessly crushing your enemies in the drug trade, I think. Um, <laughs> they, they don't call it snow for hey. a reason. Hey! Yeah. So, did we just... So, Black Cauldron were putting above... Um, Legend? I think we're putting Black Cauldron above yeah. Legend. Now... And I think we're also... And I think we're putting the witches above Black Cauldron. Oh, for sure. For sure we're putting the witches above Black yeah. Cauldron. Now, honestly, I, I would... Now, I, I think I might have an idea uh, of where to put Legend, and I'm going to see if this makes sense. I think Legend okay. would uh, maybe go above uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen at number 44, and mm-hmm. Van Helsing at 43, because... Um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is just sort of um, wildly inept on a lot of levels. Um, it, you know, and, and, and the thing is, I, you know, you've got Stuart Townsend, like, as, you know, Dorian Gray, and it's just like, so much of that movie is so, like, of its time where it's like, eh, we figured we had a sure thing, so we didn't actually try to make something good because we figured it would work. I feel bad for Stuart Townsend because he consistently almost has a career. Man, he was, he was almost doing it at so many points when he played Lestat, you know? Like, he... He was almost Aragorn. Yes, that's right. And then what was it like? He just ended up doing something else. Was he... I, I think he was the first. I think he was the first like choice, and I don't know why he either bowed out or they got him away. But there's test footage of him in costume. Man, can and you imagine Lord of the Rings with Stuart Townsend as Aragorn? It is. N- I don't think it's anywhere near as good. <laughs> no. Yeah. Viggo Mortensen is. It... I, I feel bad. I feel bad saying that, but <sighs> I mean Stuart True. Townsend. The thing is, he. <sighs> And I say this as somebody who, when I was a teenager, really liked uh, Queen of the Damned because of the soundtrack. Um, that that movie is unforgivable garbage. But Stuart Townsend... I've never seen it, so I don't think I'm missing oh, it. Oh, uh, Holy shit. You know what? Um, I just I need you to understand uh, at the outset that in Queen of the Damned, the, the most beautiful voice in the world that, aw- that awakes the Queen of the Vampires from her crypt is apparently Jonathan Davis from Korn. I don't know what to do with this information, but I'm angry that I have it's, it. It is it is incredible. Um, so I feel like I want to put Legend above League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but below uh, Van Helsing at number 43, because like you say, it is so much the thing that it is that like it's, it's sort of pure in execution in a way that I feel like Legend kind of isn't. No, I agree with that, because there is... Uh, Van Helsing it tells a I can follow what's going on in Van Helsing. <laughs> right. It may be kind of it may not you know be whole a whole lot, but I can sort of follow it and it's kind of plain, but it's also understandable. Legend is a beautiful disaster. Yeah. I don't know like a half the time like where why is this happening? I don't know why this is happening. <laughs> At least I know what Van Helsing is hap- what's going on in Van yeah. Helsing. Yeah. And we talked about it when we brought it up. I don't know how to fix Legend. We brought up something about Van Helsing that might have fixed it almost entirely, and that's just make the entire movie black and white. Shit. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, that's... Yeah. Well, and honestly, with Van Helsing, even if what's happening on screen is inane and unforgivable and stupid, 
I it's it's sort of for me like the Roger Ebert uh, review of I forget which movie where he said like the the best I the only thing I can say to recommend it is that I enjoyed every minute of this. I think oh I think that was like the third Mummy movie. Like he says it's it is there is a mummy there is a tomb and there's a dragon emperor. What more are you expecting from this? Yeah, exactly. Like this was one standard unit of Mummy movie and I had a great fucking time. I that's yeah. Which is, yeah, I feel, mm-hmm. so yeah, so I feel good about that. Um, yeah. uh, so we're thinking for the witches uh, above the Black Cauldron. I would put forward, though, I want to put it below the night with a K, the night before Christmas. You mean like rather you'd rather watch night night before than... Um... Oh, than the witches? Oh, any, every day of the yeah. week and twice on Sunday. It, the thing is, the night before Christmas... Uh, the, the the rules now if we're talking about magic systems i uh, i would say that the night before christmas and the witches have similar uh, amounts of world building around the supernatural shit that happens in these movies absolutely they're they're nebulous but at least the problem is the witches they are they do know witchery they do they there's very few, there's very little witchery in what what happens and there's no explicit magic it's just all it seems all mm-hmm. potiony and they're just a subgenre. There's just a sh- a subhuman race that wants to enslave our children and uh, eat them. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, and and yeah. And and then there's at least the night before Christmas. You've got there are slightly more rules, and you there's there's a pattern. You can at least understand the okay. If he does this, then he then that happens. There is at least a cause and effect. Yes, completely. And also, I would say that in terms of character work, there is the guy who plays the knight in this has kind of this like insane Robert Pattinson energy. Oh my god! Yeah, where he's just like this is a this is a man who will try to cook a chicken in the microwave th- for thirty minutes because he doesn't understand why why he shouldn't do that. <laughs> and then also, my favorite thing about the night before Christmas because it's never really gone back to, but there's a character in this that I always think of as the Christmas tramp who is just like a neighbor of Vanessa Hudgens. Oh my god! Yeah. And and she, and she just wants to bone down the knight as hard as she yeah. can, and then no, doesn't. And and like, why wouldn't she? Like, he's he's a good looking guy, and he's wearing chainmail. What else do you need? Uh, and the movie itself is like, well, that's she's terrible. She's an awful person. And like, why? What what did she do that was so bad? Why are we strong? Strong Christian values. <laughs> Yeah. That's why. Yeah, we gotta we gotta have those. So yeah, I honestly the night before Christmas is uh it's a delight to me in a way that and and probably The Witches is a better movie because it had like a budget and a script, I guess. Oh, there yeah, there are so many movies on here that these may be empirically better, but I'm certainly not gonna don't wanna watch them again. Yeah, well and of course because we're taking account for the fact that we, we kind of can't objectively you know, rank so much of this, and especially like. What do you mean? What do you mean, Ryan? This is all a hundred percent objective. <laughs> Everything we do is scientific. You're right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I shouldn't question the the, the methods. Yeah. I mean, like, it. <laughs> it just brings me more joy in in my heart to watch the night before Christmas than it does the witches. Because the witches for me is like sort of a one and done with that baller fucking makeup uh, sequence where they all take off their skin and Angelica Houston is being a bad bitch in front of a room and being like, yo, let's eat some kids. And then it just it kind of peters out for me right after that. Like, there's just nothing yeah, else. Yeah, that, that, that's all. That's the uh, it's the whole money shot right there. That's the movie. Yeah. And then, all right, not a whole lot else is there. Nope, absolutely not. Uh, with their... I'm comfortable with both. I'm comfortable with both of them. Yeah, yeah. Like, the the rest of the runtime, they just sort of fuck around with mice. Now, uh, scrolling up the list, because I just love Monster Squad so goddamn much. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to figure out where my floor is, and uh, or my ceiling, or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Ooh, uh, here we um, go. I, I, think, I think I have a good place to start. Uh, at okay. number 21, uh, y'all have Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, starring Kevin Costner. Uh, I love that movie very much, and I feel that Monster Squad is better than Robin Hood. I think I agree with you. I kind of don't... Okay. Bright is a troubled... Oh, for sure. So I would say probably my floor... I don't know if you've seen the 1954 Prince Valiant. No, I've never seen that. Um, And it slaps so goddamn hard because it is... 50s cheese but the costuming in it is great in a 50s way it looks like an old newspaper comic Mm -hmm. and they have these giant lego ass swords that are bright silver like made out of Mm -hmm. tin and the last 10 minutes of that movie is one giant sword fight 
between uh, James Mason, the bad guy, and he played uh, Robert Vaughn. I think his okay. name is. I can't remember. He played he played number two in uh, Austin Powers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So back when they're super young, they have this incredibly long sword fight that goes on forever, and it's the most brutal sword fight I've ever seen because their props get dinged mm-hmm. all to hell, and like their shields get warped around their arms because that's how hard they're hitting. Shit. That I so so it's I need great. to see Prince Valiant is what you're saying. Exactly. And again, there's also there's a great scene right in the middle where he he wakes up in a bed because he's been injured and he sees this woman and she's haloed by the chandelier and it's meant to look she looks angelic. The chandelier is the most demonic thing on the planet. <laughs> and it looks like it looks like you you have not seen an angel. You have seen like an Old Testament biblical angel with sixteen wings and forty seven. Oh yeah, like eyes. made of wheels and on fire and screaming at you. And, and it's horrifying. And, like, where it has to preface everything like, with "Be not afraid" because it knows you're gonna fucking lose your mind. Like so, we're sitting there in the in like we watched this last year. We're sitting there and it's like Jesus Christ. Why is that supposed? To, why is that so scary? Everything about it is so nice. Holy shit! So that's my floor. Is between I, I gotta say, Monster Squad kind of has a similar attack as bright sure i don't think it is as enjoyable as prince valiant because prince valiant has a lot more it doesn't have as much to say mm-hmm. but it certainly says it in a much more enjoyable way that totally checks out i haven't seen prince valiant but i have seen bright and i have it it, it you know i've i've left theaters feeling angry and then there are times that i'll have watched a thing on netflix and just gone like I feel like somebody owes me $3 at least for the time that I have spent watching this. Our main thought with Bright is that it just, it could have either been Magic Training Day. Right. Or Modern Lord of the Rings. And stitching the two of them together hindered it really hard. Yeah. I, uh, Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Ellis has a really great uh, oh, video. video uh-huh. say, I've, I've watched. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like for me, like there are so many, uh, side note here, YouTube classics that I feel like I always go back to. And one of one of them is always H-Bomber guy doing that like hour long video about why BBC Sherlock is bad. It's be- <laughs> sell their houses. <laughs> fucking Aquaman. I mean, the thing is like somebody sent me that uh, video essay and prefaced it with like, yes, I know it is an hour. I do not expect you to watch all of it, which I feel like is the right move. Like somebody sends you an hour long exactly. video. You know, we're not friends anymore. If you expect me to just like drop everything and, and spend an hour watching it. Um, but yeah. <laughs> what, are, what do you expect me to be? A Libra? Yeah. Genie? Yeah. For God's sake. I honestly, yeah. Like putting it above bright but below prince valiant which i have made a note now to watch yeah i think i feel pretty good about that so uh yeah what at the new number uh 19 awesome i would agree with that awesome Hell yeah good look good work yeah today. i think so too i think uh, we did a lot of really good work <laughs> i agree ryan where can we find you and your uh, little podcast that we completely stole the format from uh, and then which i i what i learned here is that i need to go on more rocket ajax and then also admit like i stole i stole it man i'm sorry i'm sorry it was just such a good idea and i wanted to do it but with some scary movies uh, anybody who wants to find me online uh, i am on twitter at ryan r-y-a-n-d-r-o-y-d which uh, looks like i don't know how to spell android but actually is just a portmanteau of my full name uh, I'm on Twitter hiatus right now, so uh, if you want to yell at me about my rankings, I'm a monster and realized I have been saying your Twitter handle wrong the entire time I have done. Oh, this. that's listen, that's fine. Like I, 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 I bitterly <laughs> regret deciding to portmanteau my name instead of doing a better handle. So this is this is my penance for not fucking. Uh, choosing better, but uh, anybody who wants to find me on Twitter, uh, you're going to want to go to Rank and Vilecast on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Tumblr at Ryan Void. Uh, I'm uh, yeah, I'm all over the place. Uh, our theme song, Goblin Road Trip, is in fact produced by Ryan Void. Hey. You can find them at all the information that they just <laughs> told me. <laughs> Fuck! I, really, I should. You should just like. I you, you should save the clip of me saying all that shit so that you could just like patch it in. Like boom, one and done. I'm planning on it. That's that's gonna happen. God, oh, thank you so much for coming on, Ryan. I uh, I cannot describe how much that means. Oh um, my God, it was it was hope. a complete pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. To everyone out there, uh, stay safe. And in the words of my brother, wear a goddamn mask uh, and tip your delivery drivers. Fucking do it.